Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, beginning with the 23rd verse. Jesus said to everyone, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me will save them. What advantage do people have if they gain the whole world for themselves, yet perish or lose their lives? This is the word of God for the people of God. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As you well know, through the year 2020, we are taking a deep dive into the five commitments that we make as United Methodists when we become members of the United Methodist Church to support our church with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. Well, we just completed a 40-day deep dive into prayer. And today, as we begin the 40-day season of Lent, we're going to be looking at the second commitment, the commitment of our presence. Our theme is cross-shaped community, 40 days of presence. Well, what do we mean when we use the word presence? We don't mean, of course, the gifts that we give at birthdays or Christmas. When I hear the word present, I, I think about when teachers would call roll and they'd read name, down the names of every student in the room and they'd come to my name, Vance Rains, present. I'm here. I'm in attendance. But is that all that presence means? That we are in attendance. We all know that we can be physically present somewhere, but be absent in every other way, emotionally, mentally, psychically, spiritually. Our body is there, but nobody is really home. We, we've left the room. We've checked out. We're daydreaming. We're thinking about other things. We're distracted. We're physically present but not present in any way. Well, clearly that's not the commitment. We're not just simply asked to attend, though that's certainly a good starting place. Presence is about so much more. Presence is about the ways we participate, the ways we engage, the ways we connect. It's about relationship. It's about belonging. It's about being part of a family, a community. I think a perfect example of the kind of presence that I'm talking about uh, is demonstrated in a movie I rented from a red box just last weekend, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's the story of Mr. Rogers, played by Tom Hanks. I wonder how many of you might have, might have seen the movie. Oh, a whole bunch of you. I recommend it. It's quite good. Now, many of us grew up with Mr. Rogers. I, he's an American icon. I think we all know 
who Mr. Rogers is as a TV character. But one of the things the TV show, I mean the movie, portrays is that the man, Fred Rogers, was really the same person that we saw on the screen as Mr. Rogers. There was no difference between them. That he portrayed for children what he believed to be important as a person. And one of the things revealed in the movie is how deeply present Mr. Rogers was with everyone he encountered, with every person, young and old, giving them his full attention and honoring their value. The movie is really about an interview that took place and a a relationship that formed out of it. Esquire magazine was doing an article on heroes and a a certain reporter who was known to be a large-nosed reporter, a deep investigative, serious reporter, was assigned Fred Rogers. In their first encounter, the reporter is trying as hard as he can to get into something deep and to dig into uh, who the real Mr. Rogers is. But with every question, Fred turned it back on the reporter, more interested in him as a person, asking about his family, asking about his past, irritating, frustrating the reporter to no end. On another part of the movie, they're on set and the reporter is observing, and he hears that the crew is, is kind of grumbling that they're uh, behind schedule. I think it was about 25 minutes behind schedule because there was a family on set with a special needs child. And it showed Fred Rogers down on his knee, face to face, engaged with the special needs child. And the reporter says, does this happen often? And they said, all the time. One other story that stood out to me was they went on a subway, the reporter and Fred Roger, and the reporter said, you take the subway, assuming someone of his stature might have his own car and driver. No, he always takes the subway. So they go and they sit in a subway seat, subway full of people, subway car full of people. And everybody, of course, has noticed there's Mr. Rogers there with them on the subway. And, And a couple teenage girls begin singing the song. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? And what happened? Everybody started singing the song by heart. Would you like to join me? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Isn't that what we're talking about when we talk about presence 
and community. And by the way, look at the smiles on your faces. <laughs> Belonging, connection. Won't you be, please, won't you be my neighbor? Could you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Doesn't that sound like more than just an attendance at a religious service? Doesn't that sound more than, than just attending the same church as someone else that's more or less a stranger to you? Doesn't that sound like more than, than just knowing each other as casual acquaintances? Won't you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? That's the invitation. It's about relationship. It's about friendship. It's about building deeper connections. It's about knowing and being known. It's about being a community. Fred Rogers once said, we get so wrapped up in numbers in our society. And isn't that true? That's how we measure success. How many people were in church this morning? We measure it by the numbers. But he says, the most important thing is that we're able to be one to one, you and I with each other at the moment. If we can be present to the moment with the person that we happen to be with, that's what's important. It's about moving past being strangers, moving past just being acquaintances and becoming a family. Ever since watching the movie, I've been thinking about all of my interactions with people. I keep asking myself, what would Fred Rogers do right now? Some people ask, what would Jesus do? But that's a good choice too. <laughs> There's an old African proverb that says, when I saw him from afar, I thought he was a monster. When he got closer, I thought he was an animal. When he got closer, I recognized that he was a human. When we were face to face, I realized that he was my brother. Theologically, we as Christians believe not only that community is a good idea as a, a value, we believe that we were created for it, that God made us as relational beings, that God designed us to be, to need relationship and community. When God created us, he said, let us make them in our image and likeness. Well, who's us? God is a community, a trinity, a family of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He made us in his image. Quickly after creating Adam, it says that God observed it's not good for Adam to be alone. He needs someone to partner his life with, to share his life with. It's not good for Adam to be alone. When God began the work of redeeming the world, he started with a family that grew into a nation, Israel. And then when Jesus appeared on the scene, he was constantly present with everyone. He pulled children onto his knees and honored them. He honored the woman at the well. He, he, the woman caught in adultery. People who were sick. People who needed help. He was present with each and everyone. And many became his followers. Quickly surrounding Jesus was this tribe of disciples and followers learning together what it means to be the kingdom of God on earth. And when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment of all? It was relational. 
He gave a relational commandment, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. And with it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. They go one as one. They're hand in hand. They go together as one commandment. I would argue that the primary theme of the Bible has less to do with individual salvation and morality and much more about how we live out our salvation, how we live out a morality in the way we relate to each other, how we love each other, support each other as a community of people who believe in God and want to make him known to the world. Read through the Bible from the beginning to the end and you see over and over statements that include the phrase each other or one another, love one another, support one another, forgive one another as you have been forgiven, strengthen one another, admonish one another, be patient with one another, share with one another out of what you have. Over and over the Bible is teaching us this is what it means to be a follower of God, to be in community to be connected, to belong. James Bryan Smith writes, our daily encounters with others are the arenas in which our relationship with God becomes incarnate. Incarnate means it takes on flesh. And SEC saying, it's in our relationships with each other, the ones that bless us and the ones that challenge us, that teach us how to be more godly people. These, these qualities that we say we believe, Take on flesh when we live them out together. I am increasingly convinced that I am only as good as the community I surround myself with. That I become the person God created me to be when I'm with others who are pursuing the same objective. Likewise, when I am alone, when I isolate, when I push away, when I withdraw, I'm less the man that God created me to be. They go hand in hand. The more that I love people, the more I seem to love God. And the deeper I'm in love with God, the more that pushes me out toward loving other people. Now the truth is, we're all part of communities. We live in neighborhoods, we, we belong to families. We're all part of communities. It, it doesn't take a lot to be a community, just some common purpose or interest and, and some means of, of gathering or organizing ourselves. Some of you are part of civic organizations. Some of you are part of volunteer groups or interest groups. Some of you belong to sports teams. Some of you go to support groups like AA maybe a book club. When we say that the church is a community, are, are we saying that that's just all we are, that we just happen to have a common interest and we figured out a way to gather ourselves? Are we basically the same as every other kind of social organization? I would argue no. Just as there are many different kinds of communities, I would argue there is something particular and unique about the church. And I think it's rooted in today's scripture. Jesus said, all, that's us, all, who want to come after me must say no to themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. 
All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me will save them. What advantage do people have if they gain the whole world for themselves, yet perish or lose their lives? You see, being part of the Christian community is more than just church membership. It's more than just mentally assenting to a particular set of beliefs. It's more than just performing a set of rituals. It's more than having my name on the rolls. It's part, it's being part of a family. It's belonging to something bigger than ourselves. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. What's he asking of ourselves? What have we gotten ourselves into? How do we daily take up our cross and follow Jesus? I think it's just four simple but not so simple things. As I've already said, Jesus was present with every person he encountered. Every person to be present to one another. Jesus taught us that there's nothing greater than to love one another as God loves us and we love God, to be present and to love. And particularly during this season of Lent, we remember that Jesus served and sacrificed, even to the point of death on the cross. He was present, he loved, he served, and he sacrificed. Now, we'll look much deeper into all of those things and more when we talk throughout this season of Lent about what it means to be a cross-shaped community. But it means no less than this, to take up our cross daily, to be present, to love, to serve, and sacrifice one another in the world as Jesus taught us to do. Jesus said, this is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. We're called to be people who love as Jesus loved us. The author Ruth Haley Barton says, communities that gather in Christ's name to be Christ's presence in the world will order their lives in such a way that they actually can experience the abundant life Jesus promises and thus bear witness in the world around them. Anything less just will not do. Part of how we're learning to be present to one another during the season of Lent is an invitation to be part of a a five-week small group. These are not deep study groups. These are an opportunity to learn, to meet, to connect with someone at church that you don't know. You don't need to study ahead of them. You don't need to do a lot of preparation. But each week you will be told, this is what we'll be doing next week. And sometimes you might be invited to to bring something to the group to share. So if you are part of one of those groups this week, you've been asked to bring a cross from your own personal collection, if you have one, maybe a piece of jewelry, maybe a picture, maybe a cross that hangs on your wall, to share with the group, this is where it came from, this is what it means to me. Well, I wanted to share one with you. This is the first cross that I ever owned. I purchased it at a little market in Mexico City 30 years ago this month. 
I was there as part of a mission team from this church to a little village called Miraflores. This was the first cross that I ever bought. That was the first mission trip I ever went on. That was my first experience of of serving. It was really my first opportunity to be out of the country or to experience the church in a different culture. And I did it with some of you who are sitting here this morning. In fact, some of my relationships with you, some of you began on that trip. It was on that trip and in the months that followed that I learned from you, this church, what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, what it meant to be part of a community that loved me and supported me as I was learning to be in ministry and as I went off to become a pastor, what it meant to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And so for 30 years, This cross has hung either in my office or in my home as a reminder of that trip, but more importantly, a reminder of all of you and that opportunity where you introduced me to what it means to serve like Christ. What does it mean to be a cross-shaped community? It means to be present to one another, to love one another, and together to serve and sacrifice together for the world. Let us pray.